Hello there! It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever. The only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, he's got two tickets to paradise, it's Anthony James. Good afternoon, good evening, good night. Now, I could have, I, I almost changed that, I almost called an audible that and thought you know what it's so hot in the united kingdom and 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 the british isles and ireland at the moment that i might have to do something to do with heat but i i couldn't i couldn't come up with anything in in the short period of time between making that decision and uh, and actually speaking it into existence but how are you doing how are you coping with the heat i'm doing okay like obviously i'm from australia so everyone assumes that i can cope with it very well but the human body is the human body. I've been here since I was 12 years old, and I'm not. You know, it's it's very hot. I said to Eva the other day, people keep saying that we can't complain when it's cold if we're going to complain when it's hot. And I said, you know what? I don't ever fucking complain when it's cold. <laughs> I like the cold. I'll just put a coat on. See, when you're hot, you can't take your skin off. That's the Yeah, thing. there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you do. Yeah. And also, I feel like we've had, we have had we briefly had this conversation before, before talking, but... I feel like those arguments belie the fact that there is a happy middle ground between those temperatures where everything's fine. And now listen to me. I know we've got some listeners in America. There's probably some some listeners out there who are in like Phoenix, Arizona, who are thinking, you motherfuckers don't know what hot is. And to you, I would say, (laughs) that is correct. It's like 31 (laughs) degrees over here. And boy, howdy, is that too high? And it... You know, I, I, I guess we have sensitive dispositions, is all I'll say to that. I, I can't believe, like, only it was only, what, four years ago that I was in America for my honeymoon. And we went to, like, the Grand Canyon, and we went to San Antonio and Las Vegas, and we went all to these really hot places, and it was over 40 degrees Celsius. And I... I don't know how I survive because right now it's like thirty or twenty-eight, and I'm yeah. dying here. Yeah, it's too much. It is too much. It's like <laughs> it, it, this is this is the the vengeance of an angry god. I think is what we're <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. what we're suffering through at the moment. Um, maybe Speaking we deserve of, that. Uh, our film today. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, with with that in mind, um, I, I'm excited to announce that uh, we're going to be headed. On a lovely summer holiday to sunny Sweden uh, for Ariaster's Midsummer this week. Uh, it's a film I have. Uh, I've wanted to do something like this for a while, and I'm excited to finally get to sit down and chat with Anthony about it. We're going to be talking uh, movie studios selling for billions of dollars, or potentially selling for billions of dollars. There's more Indie 5 casting. There's a new June trailer out that came out today, which is Thursday, but Friday's when you're listening to this. And uh, a Back to the Feature. That'll bowl you over. (laughs) I've already got it. (laughs) I really hope. I I had to put that in there because it's it's great. But it might have just given it away, to be honest. We'll see when we get to it. I'm going to be honest. If if it is a bowling film, the first clue would have had that in anyway. Let's be honest. Well... I'm go- I'm gonna say no more because I've already I've already put myself in hot water. <laughs> Let's talk about some gosh darn movies. Let's do it. Movies, we're here to talk about them, and I'm gonna start with uh, something that that Anthony has just confided to me in in confidence. Um, <laughs> that's that's a double negative. You don't need to say confided in confidence. That's implied <laughs> in the confiding. <laughs> Anthony has just confided to me that he hasn't seen the June trailer, and that's fine because i'm going to talk about it for a little bit just to get everyone hyped up uh it's denis villeneuve he is a great filmmaker i don't really think i've disliked anything of his that i've ever seen uh, and there are some films of his that i absolutely love i have read half 
of the book of June. I read it back in 2020 and then got distracted. Um, and I have seen the David Lynch movie, which is very bad, but it's at least got <laughs> some ambition to it. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, my question to you, Anthony, is if you had the choice, sight unseen, of picking between a grizzled Josh Brolin as your like kind of military mentor or a bemulleted Patrick Stewart, which one would you go for? Oh, Josh Brolin, 100%. Okay, let's Patrick go. Stewart. Um, I mean, no. I love Patrick Stewart, but he is, yeah. in that original David Lynch movie, he has a, a, this awful mullet. And it's like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to judge anyone. Like, if you, if you lose your hair, it's a horrible thing to go through. I understand that. But like, his hair in that, it is full-on horseshoe it's like at that point yeah. like the whole the whole kogan where it's like at this point come on it's gone it's not coming back <laughs> like you're, you're fooling no one patrick well um, it's actually his his own hair that he hasn't shaved off yet you know cause I, I know don't i he, wonder whether it's, he went bald quite young i know that yeah i wonder whether it's a wig and they, then they've just chosen to make his character look as ridiculous as possible um i believe the character's mm. name is it's either gunny or gurney it's been a while since i've seen that gurney movie. halleck Yes, that's right. Um, but Josh I Brolin, seen it. I've just got the cast in front of me. That's fine. Yeah, so Josh Brolin is playing this kind of grizzled um, military man who kind of oversees Paul Atreides' uh, uh, flight from from the, the the House of Atreides on Arrakis when shit done goes sideways. Um, and I think he's going to be great in it. The casting in this movie looks amazing. Oscar Isaac uh, is playing Duke Leto. That's going to be great. Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho. Still the most ridiculous name in any kind of sci-fi <laughs> movie that I've ever seen. And, you know, Star Wars has some dumb ones, but Duncan Idaho is right <laughs> up there. Um, but yeah, this movie looks great. Yeah, I, I, Timothy Chalamet is obviously going to be playing one of the leads. Yeah. Um, has there ever been a more one-for-one regeneration of an actor as there is Timothy Chalamet? He's just J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt for me, hundred percent. He oh. is J J G L the uh, second. Although he's good, I would say he's actually got more range. Than uh, yeah, I, th- I think he's better. And I also, I mean, uh, I'm going to give him, I'm going to give him a bit of a double-edged sword here. I think he's a, he's got more range than Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I don't see Timothy uh, Chalamet starring in anything uh, remotely approaching Third Rock from the Sun. That's true. Uh, or he wasn't in um, Ten Things Ahead About You. As well as no. that, as well as that, I've never seen him on a high wire. Can he walk the rope, Conrad? What was that from? I don't remember. <laughs> that. It was a film about walking. I can't remember what it was called, but it was like about about him walking the high wire between the twin towers. You know, the oh, day he did that? Uh, uh, yeah, the Man on Wire. I've seen the the documentary they made yeah. about. It. Did they make a they made a, a feature film about Listen, that? As if well? you want if you want a documentary made into a feature film, JGL's your man. Why would you not just watch the documentary? <laughs> he's juice. also in he's also in Snowden, and I'll tell you, in Snowden, they actually uh, didn't. Snowden has never revealed how he got the information out of the CIA or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what they did in the film? In the film, the Snowden film with JGL? Go on. They had him put the memory pen inside a Rubik's Cube and then he was walking through the security gates just like doing the Rubik's Cube. That's what they came up with. Uh, okay. Like, like the most fe- feasible thing that they could make up for Snowden. I mean, my, my suggestion was going to be ninjas and that's more... <laughs> Is it more compelling than that? Possibly, I think mine would be more exciting. But have you have you ever seen a Rubik's cube player in full go? Full. full uh, I have. Yeah, they they got magic fingers. Those yeah. uh, those Rubikses. Ru- yeah, I don't. I don't and, know if that's the. the and Zendaya, word. Zendaya is always fantastic in everything she's in. So I'm yeah, I, I Zendaya, I believe is playing 
the love interest uh it, it's been a long time since i've seen that first movie and as i said i've only read half the books i i don't remember a lot of these characters but i mean it's got a stellar cast it's it's denis villeneuve which i'm i'm very excited to see him back it's been a long time since his his last movie which i think was his last movie arrival no it's uh, back to, uh blade runner um was his yeah, last movie but even that, that that was a that was a while ago so it's, it's a while between productions and you mm-hmm. know blade runner didn't do that well financially which is a shame because i thought that movie was fantastic um so i'm hoping that this uh does a bit better i I remember when when blade runner came out and i think it came out the same time as one of the later resident evil movies and they were basically comparing their box offices and the resident evil movie was just like trouncing it and it Mm. destroyed my faith in the movie going public for for a little while there but nevertheless if you haven't seen the Dune trailer and, and you're remotely interested, go and check it out because it looks cool as hell. Um, okay. Now, um, there was some interesting news this week um, uh, to do with, well, basically to do with what we watched. So uh, we're going to talk about Midsummer in a little bit. Um, and the studio that, that produces uh, Midsummer also made mm-hmm. Hereditary um, and a bunch of other great movies is uh, a, a studio called A24. Uh, Last they Black made... Man in San Francisco, made by A24. Yep. Uh, they also did uh, Moonlight, Uncut Gems, Lady Bird, and the upcoming uh, Green Knight, starring Dev Patel. So th- there's some some news came out uh, this week, just gone, that sometime last year, late last year, they, they were kind of floating the idea of selling the, the studio for about $3 billion, which, for reference... Disney paid four billion for Star Wars, um, right. and um, I just thought it was it was interesting to kind of look at the financial landscape of like movie making at the moment. So so Disney paid four billion for Star Wars. I think that was probably twenty thirteen ish. I think that they they did that, and that was that seemed like a lot. But then since then, you've got. Uh, and and I will say, like before, I I, I go into this too far. Like A twenty four, their output has a certain kind of cachet to it, particularly mm-hmm. in horror. Like they're very well regarded. They make very good movies. But between like Netflix paying four hundred and fifty million for two Knives Out sequels, Apple paid like hundreds of millions for the next Scorsese movie, and Amazon have just finished buying MGM and Bond for nine billion. There is some mm. insane money being thrown around. Nine billion at- for Bond. Well, for MGM, so they get yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, Bond is is kind of the big tentpole uh, franchise that they're getting out of that. I, 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 it, it just seems like everything is being further consolidated under like the big streaming uh, service umbrellas now, and I do worry about the direction this is headed in. It is, yes, I know what you mean. And I was talking to my brother the other day, actually, and um, I, like we're both big fans of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah. we're both, and we're both on and off fans of the DC, and we're really like annoyed with every second DC film that comes out. We just want everything to be cohesive and really well done. Mm. And we both just looked at each other and went, "Are we terrible, terrible human beings for kind <laughs> of wanting the same thing to happen to DC that happened to Marvel?" And I think we are. I think we are is the answer. But it's Oof. strange that because these big companies who are buying up everything are actually able to put huge production values into them it makes the general public want it to happen yeah well i mean i think it's a difficult proposition from the perspective of a a consumer because you know i'm I'm the same like you know i have a cyclops tattoo on my on my forearm like i love the x-men i don't like uh those early x-men movies uh or i don't like really any of the x-men movies they made with the exception of days of future past and so you know when you're a fan of something or you're interested in something and the proposition is maybe this company with a track record of doing well in this field 
um you know if, if, you, if they could buy the thing that you like and do a good job of it that's something to be excited about as a consumer but then yeah it's obviously a bit of a double-edged sword because you're also saying i want disney to own everything um yeah exactly i yeah, definitely had that yeah. feeling when they bought fox because they got that that means they get the alien uh, license which means maybe people will start making good alien movies again but it's really hard to tell and see the thing is as well is a24 is a really is really good at what they do and they mm. make great sort of independent style films i think it's you can't really call them independent anymore because a20 i don't know how they model their finances and stuff but they very much are a big studio now yeah i mean if um, they're if they're going to be sold for three billion i don't think you yeah. can really call them independent uh movies anymore but they but i definitely know what you mean they have a they have a kind of they have a style that's very much their own. Uh, they have a which... style where they let their directors and their filmmakers tell the story and in the style that they want to tell, which which makes it come across as independent because everything feels very different. But also has I know what you mean, but like because because they are sort of put the way they are, they actually do feel a little bit similar in, t- in time. Sort of sort of like the long shots and the lovely landscapes mm-hmm. and sort of the focus on. I, I know I, I, there is a similarity to them as well. But my point is. If the creators of this studio, if I was like them and I sort of created my idea about what I wanted to do and uh, I made, made this really successful movie studio, in my mind, I'd be thinking, geez, I could sell this for three, four billion. Yeah. Take a, take a billion of that and just keep doing it with a, and just call it something else. Like start again and have keep having these films made. Because if you've got 100 million or 50 million to give to a filmmaker, I mean, they're going to take the money. Yeah, I, I, and I don't think... I actually don't know what the budget of the kind of bigger named uh, A24 movies was like. I can't imagine they're that high though, because I mean mm-hmm. they're mainly they're mainly dramas, uh, with the exception of you know, Uh-oh. well I, I would I would call Hereditary a drama actually, but and uh, but Midsummer is probably one of the higher budget ones because there was so much that went into the production of it. Um, I would be surprised if there was if if the budgets of all of them added up was over a billion like i'd be surprised you know yeah yeah you might well be right but um but yeah it's just something to keep an eye on i i think in terms of the way the way movie studios are going and shaking out like movie making is more expensive now than it ever has been uh at least at the top of the top of the food chain so uh to see a24 considering selling up is potentially worrying but they didn't sell so i guess there's 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 light at the end of that tunnel potentially as well because they want to keep on doing it independently but we shall mm-hmm. um we shall follow that with great interest and just to prove that i'm a complete hypocrite um and that i am as much a part of this uh this kind of capitalistic movie making machine as anyone else we've got some indiana jones 5 news because <laughs> because because i get excited about indiana jones movies still and that is that uh, antonio banderas he's joined the cast now as well so that's uh James Mangold directing, obviously Harrison Ford, you've got Toby Jones, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, and now Antonio Banderas. So that's a pretty good cast that they've got going Z- there. Zorro crossover? That's what I'm Oh, for. can you can you imagine the Zorro crossover? That'd be so good. Although they both yeah. they're both quite old. <laughs> be yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that is intriguing to me, actually. Um, I mean, it's got to be better than the fourth one. Like Every single bit of news we hear about it it's it is it, i'm not gonna say antonio banderas being added is exciting me more than it was before <laughs> no. like i mean yeah like he's good i like him um but i what i really look forward to is the fact that it's better than the fourth one it's already I, better i i i kind of i'm in two minds about it because i i kind of want them just a, a clean a clean break from the george lucas like uh, uh steven spielberg like lawrence kazdan triumvirate of like writers producers because i feel like those guys lost their way a little bit like steven spielberg still makes 
has still has made good movies this side of like the year 2000 but he hasn't made that many of them i feel like he's kind of he's kind of been drifting a bit for the last 20 years um mm. and so i think james mangold is an interesting choice for director and i yeah i i think i i i think it's impossible for it to be worse than the fourth one because that was a terrible terrible movie so yeah indiana jones 5 the cast continues to grow they're still not shooting <laughs> and i think in uh, i think harrison ford hurt his shoulder um when they were fil- filming in, i think it was glasgow somewhere in scotland um a few months back so i don't know it's going to be set there's in scotland be, there's going to be plenty of injuries on that film with all the, with that cast don't you worry hips going and everything <laughs> yeah that's yeah oh that's depressing to think about a bit yeah like it'll, it'll be like the the well actually i'm trying to think if I, I i imagined there to be lots of injuries on the set of that last star wars movie because everyone in it was so goddamn old but like <laughs> maybe i've just made that up maybe i've just you got to wrap by four so they can get to bed and all you know <laughs> <laughs> so they can have their horlicks yeah. that's, that's not gonna play for anyone who's not from the year horlicks is a bedtime drink for old people i don't even know what it is it like milk and it's like milk and sugar or something. I always, I, yeah, no, I, it's got a particular. I can't remember what's the type of drink it is. I can't remember. I, I always just like thought it was a chocolate drink, and then I tasted it one time. And I was like, "What the fuck is yeah, this?" Yeah, it's, it's almost like bready. For, like it's kind of, it's it's yeah. There's a word for it, but I can't remember. My my head's going to move, but it's not move <laughs> because that's a color. But there's something. Not Ovaltine. Like, is it Ovaltine? Bla- Ovaltine is another brand of the same okay. thing. Uh, but I can't remember. But Ovaltine is also a chocolate drink in other places in the world, and that's what confused oh, okay. me. Because when I came over to the UK uh, and Ireland, because I moved to Ireland initially, Republic of Ireland, um, when I was drinking Ovaltine, I was like, "What is this crap?" Because in Australia, <laughs> Ovaltine is lit is is literally uh, chocolate chocolate milk, like you know. Oh, okay. Well, okay. That there you go. That's been an interesting dissection of the different hot drinks available i don't know why we're talking about hot drinks it's too hot I, I am drinking coffee actually to be fair but like i've i've had so few hot drinks this week i can't even imagine um having more than this one's just pet me up um but uh, i've actually but- i've actually had a really upset stomach conrad as i told you so i haven't had be having any caffeine and it's been like three days now since i had a coffee i don't drink soft drinks anymore i've had no caffeine in my system for three days and now oh. it's, it, you know when you have no caffeine for like three days you get to the point where you're like should i just give it up forever yeah and then, then you'll always have you know you'll always have it again but i'm yeah you'll come I'm back in the stage to i'm in the stage now where i'm thinking maybe i'll not have it anymore um, it's a good feeling if you can go a few days without coffee like it, it, it's like the veil lifts from behind your eyes it's like this is what it should be like and they're like yeah but i, I do like espresso though so <laughs> unfortunately this vice just isn't going anywhere um and I'll tell you another vice that's not going anywhere and another expert segue that is beyond reproach and that is of course the exciting new game show segment on the best movie podcast ever that's right it's your favorite of mine it's back to the feature that's our yeah there we go we've got the dance it's not really a vice i call it a vice because i want to make it seem edgy and cool but this is really more (laughs) of like a kind of family fortune slash family feud level of uh, of competition it's good fun highlight of my week definitely um this is of course, the exciting game show segment where I have selected a movie from 25 years ago today, and Anthony will have five attempts to guess the name of said movie. He will hear five clues. Each clue he hears will lower the points that he receives. And please play along at home. Anthony, are you ready for Back to the Feature? I'm ready. 
Okay. You're coming in. So for those of you who haven't actually seen this before, Anthony's coming into this on a bit of a cold streak. Bit of a cold streak. Um, <laughs> you could on, say. <laughs> on the last two. Well, you were doing well before. So it's only two two in a row, I think, that you didn't yeah. get. Um, so we'll see. This is a chance to a bounce back, an important one. Potentially I a relegation. I think I'm going to get this one first time. A relegation six-pointer. If uh, I'll be really annoyed if I've just given it away in, in, in the pun that I couldn't resist, but we'll see. Um, okay, so clue the first. Initially a box office failure, which was blamed on the Olympics, this movie became a far bigger success on home video. Hmm, now you've got me questioning. So is it because of the Olympics, because of the in the film it's based on the Olympics and people don't like it, or is it just because it was released at the time of the Olympics? I think it's probably released at the time of the Olympics. 96, yep, that makes sense to me. I actually don't know which Olympics that was, 96. That wasn't Sydney, was it? Uh, right. Uh, no, no, not 2000 was Sydney. Oh, okay. I think 96 might have been in America, actually. Oh, was that was that one of the... Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> someone in the comments, I'm sure, will tell us. I'm sure we'll Google it ourselves after, but let us know in the comments anyway. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm going to guess based on your little uh, pun earlier. Um, if I do get it, I'm going to be happy with myself. If I don't, well, at least, I'm gonna you know... Furious. I'm going to be furious. If, well, I'll be, I'll be furious with myself. Right, I'm going to go for Kingpin. Just chatting with the computer. <laughs> He's only gone and done it, hasn't yeah. he? He's <laughs> I couldn't resist the pun. I couldn't resist the pun. I, I, I was like, I was writing the script for the intro, and I was like, I've got to put a bowling joke in here because it's, it's such an, it's such a low hanging fruit. And obviously, I, I knew. I knew that Anthony had seen it. I knew that he'd seen it. I knew I was playing with fire. I knew I was playing with fire when I put that in there. I mean, it's a great film. It's that Randy Quaid, Woody Harrelson, absolute fantastic film. I think it's worthy of the mention, even if I didn't get... First, my first five points. That's like, I mean, it's a great... Uh, you know, uh, and you know, I we, wouldn't we, we have can't... got it from the first clue. Let's just say we we, we can't. We well, no, but you, you play the hand you dealt. You can't. We can't blame Anthony for you know taking advantage of the contextual clues scattered throughout the podcast, which hinted hinted as to what, what it was going to be. Um, it is, of course, Kingpin. So I'll take you through the other clues. Um, but an absolute. I will just say run. though, it was between one or two, and it was the year that gave it to me. My other film that popped up to mind was, of course, There Will Be Blood, but that was, I think, 2009. So. <laughs> Would you, I don't know if i call that a bowling movie, primarily. <laughs> if there's bowling in a movie, it's a bowling movie. All right? I'm trying to think, what, mm, what the bowling movies are? Uh, 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 Big the Lebowski. Dude. Yeah, I guess you could call it a bowling movie-ish. Um, so the second clue would have been, uh, directors the Farrelly brothers, Bob and Peter, would follow this up with There's Something About Mary. Um, and then... this That would have put me in the ballpark. Definitely. I think they made me, myself, and Irene after that, and then... They made lots of stuff. Stuck on You, stuff. Stuck on Me, something yeah, like that. Yeah, oh, Stuck on You is a bad movie. Yeah, that's the one where they're like... Um, uh, what is it? Is it Edward Norton and... No, it's Matt Damon and your other fellow. Matt Damon an older, and, and an older fella. Not Luke Wilson. No. But it's the one where they're like si- a, a, a conjoined twins, excuse yeah, me. I grew, up, yeah. I grew up in an era where they were called Siamese twins and so I have to catch myself occasionally when, when I say Greg that. Kinnear. Greg, Greg Kinnear. Kinnear, that's it, yeah. Greg mm-hmm. Kinnear is kind of like an older version of Luke, uh, uh, Luke Wilson in many ways, or Owen Wilson in many <laughs> ways. Um, yeah. So the, the, uh, the that was a bad movie. Don't go and watch Stuck on You. Um, <laughs> the third clue... Uh, Woody Harrelson's role as Roy Munson was originally going to be played by, and you're not going to believe this, Michael Keaton, 
a role which Nicolas Cage also turned down. So it could have been oh. Michael Keaton. Um, imagine that casting call for Roy Munson. Like, think of that that balding, plastic-handed failure of a man, <laughs> and think of him played by either it, it could it, it could have been played by Woody Harrelson, Michael Keaton, or Nicolas Cage. Like those actors are nothing alike each other. That would have been terrible. Like I. I... I'm going to be honest, just mentioning Woody Harrelson might have got me to there without even the bowling clue. I think, I think you would have got it on the Farrelly Brothers, to be honest, because I know possibly. you've seen this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so the fourth clue, th- I mean, if you didn't have it by this point, you would have walked it into the back of the net on this one. <laughs> this was Randy Qu- Randy Quaid's second of three movie roles in 1996, this time as the Amish bowler Ishmael. Yeah, oh yeah, I yeah, mean, I, would have, you know. I would have got that. I say Amish. I, I think it is Amish. I don't think it's Amish. I think I've just mispronounced that, and I'm, I've, I've, I've hoped that no one would notice. But you've drawn attention to it, and always got to, always got to. <laughs> yeah. And then the final clue. Um, I had to put this in there because this is one of my favourite character names in a movie of all time. It is, of course, Bill Murray playing veteran bowler Ernie McCracken, ad libs <laughs> pretty much every line he played. He spoke in this movie, and the Farrelly brothers agreed that they're glad he did because what he spoke was way funnier. So Bill, Mur- I, I, I'm always a bit like reticent to include these because there's like loads of like apocryphal tales of like, oh, that line's ad libbed, or that line's ad libbed. Yeah. yeah. And and it's yeah, yeah. kind of like I think it belies a lot of people who don't understand how like acting on a movie set actually works, where you're you know a lot of the time you're kind of developing the script as you're as you're as you're you know doing the scenes. But apparently Bill Murray literally did not speak a single line from the screenplay in this movie. It was just like I'm just gonna he's gonna play That's Ernie cool. McCracken the way he wants to play him, and yeah, and Ernie yeah, McCracken yeah, yeah. is a great name for a bowler. Like that is. <laughs> Yeah, we're not we're not talking about like sort of the Seth Rogen era, Will Ferrell era, where they just do a hundred takes and choose the funniest. We're talking about someone who didn't even bother reading what was going yeah, on. Yeah, like. like he kind of. I mean, I think it's similar to. You probably know this better than me, but I think it's similar to um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where they kind of like read the script, mm-hmm. get a general sense of like where the scene needs to go, and then they yeah, just yeah, kind yeah. of navigate their way towards that. Whereas, yeah, like the 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 modern comedy thing is like there's no plot development in those at all it's literally we're gonna film you saying jokes that are completely devoid of any context to the scene and then we'll put a funny one in which i hate yeah no i I don't like that either and of course chris my germs elliot is in it my germs from scary movie 2 um he also yes he is yeah He's also uh, in the something about Mary as well. Obviously, another Farley Brothers. Yeah, uh, he he got a good career out of them. <laughs> he got, he... Yeah, and he's in Shit's Creek as well. If anyone's a fan of that, he's, he is. He's, he's very well. funny in Shit's Creek. I, I love love to see him again. It's always always great to see him turning up in in anything. <laughs> Lovely to see him still getting work. But yeah, so I mean, what can you say? I, I I maybe I made it too easy for him. Maybe I made it too easy for you at home. Um, but you know the the you have to play the ball where it lays. And Anthony's absolutely smashed that one. For a home run, I, that started as a golf metaphor and turned into a baseball. <laughs> yeah, play run. the ball where it lies, flying, <laughs> flying through the air from the pitcher at me. I yeah. want to know. I want to know. Has did anyone else in the comments? Did anyone get that from Conrad's pun as well? I want to know. I, I'm sure that there's going to be loads of people who are just like, "You ruined it!" And it's you know what? Like sometimes it's about the journey you take together. All right, it's not about who wins. Yeah. <laughs> it's what like it was planned because I had two two zero pointers in a row. And then I got yeah, five. I I mean, literally, when I'm planning, when I'm writing these out, I've got like dates kind of earmarked, circled on the calendar, being like, "That's going to be a good one." Um, and the last two were rough ones, but this one was a return to form, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And what a return to form! You've you've done yourself proud there. A five pointer, the first the first five pointer. They can never. You're in the history books. 
You're in the history books now. They can never yeah. take that away from you. And what an exciting addition of Back to the Feature there. Um, so well done. <laughs> well done to all involved. We're now going to swiftly move on from that to our, our main our ma- main segment. Swiftly. Um, so, yes, swift, as swiftly as possible. Um, and that is, uh, of course, to talk about Ari Aster's Midsummer, the movie we're all, we're all here to talk about. We're in a... I can't remember why... So I proposed this like a week ago. Oh, we were just talking about things that are on streaming services. Having done a couple of new ones, we wanted to go mm-hmm. back and do an older one. And um, and you hadn't seen this before, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I thought I, I like the tone of the Akira pick last week. And I mm-hmm. think um, we wanted to go with something that was similar sort of in terms of conversational conversation starter starters as well as sort of it, it, it was took things quite seriously we wanted yeah. to go with a real proper film basically you know? yeah um so uh midsummer it came out in 2019 which was kind of the year of florence Pugh, as far as i'm concerned between uh, like fighting with my family mm-hmm. then this then little women at the end of the year i think that was the year that florence Pugh really arrived kind of on a on a global I th- a global scene. I think I've said to you before, Conrad, I can't remember if it was on a podcast or not, but I watched Fighting With My Family and then I went and watched Little Women Then I went to watch a couple of other things and I've seen this now and I didn't know in, like until like six months after I watched Little Women it, that Florence P was in Fighting With My Family because she has like black hair in that and I, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know why. I just didn't know it was her. I mean, she, you know, she embodies the role. She does a really good job of um, a really good job of it and I think she's she is such a versatile actress she really is and and she is amazing in this mm-hmm. uh and and it's just it's great to see her break out uh as she did this year but basically she she plays the character of um of Danny in uh, in midsummer who is in i think what you could call a fairly loveless relationship they don't her and her boyfriend <clears throat> um whose mm-hmm. name i've now forgotten christian christian that's it very relevant very relevant <clears throat> yes actually i've not really thought about the thought about the um, <laughs> there must be something there you don't call the subtext without knowing yeah um yeah but christian is like um he basically it seems his friends are pushing for him to break up with her anyway aren't yeah. they yeah yeah will, will Poulter of um oh, i think it's eyebrows of, fame uh yeah i was gonna say i think it's son of ramo or that he played he yeah. was in when he was very young um but he's turned ah, into a, yeah. he's a real shit in this he's a real shit <laughs> i i remember seeing will poulter as like a 10 year old in some channel 4 uk tv show sketch comedy and he was like full of attitude and all and he was he was quite cute and he was like you know he was great great at what he did and now he looks the same just scaled up he yeah. looks very strange yeah I he's said, an I, odd I, guy <laughs> Like he's 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 all right. he's good at what he does. Let's not be let's let's not like be too harsh on the fella. Like he is actually good at what he does. He's a real shit in this film. But I just look. I just said to him like, w- if I was this director, I don't know if I could cast those eyebrows. I don't know if I could. <laughs> yeah. Imagine being the cinematographer on it. You like you're, the camera naturally is drawn towards the center of Will Poulter's <laughs> face. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, so Will Poulter plays uh, plays Christian's shitty. Um, I think they're all kind of like kind of PhD students or, or something along those lines, and he plays Christian's shitty friend. You've also got mm-hmm. William Jackson Harper, who most people will know from The Good Place, yeah. um, uh, who, who plays kind of like the academic of the of, of the group, um, like he does in The Good Place, <laughs> like he does in The Good Place. Yeah, um, it's slightly colder character in this <laughs> yeah. than in The Good Place. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, this is like this is like kind of like the darker version of Chidi's uh, <laughs> Chidi's personality, <laughs> yeah. where he just goes purely in that, into sort of that uh, sort of superior academia. Um, but but this this group of friends basically want to go uh, to study a cult in Sweden, the Haga cult, uh, which is where or uh, I don't know if they actually ever call it a cult, but it's they're not, that- yeah, they're not a cult; they're a commune. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I would. We'll get to that. <laughs> but a group of people with like-minded ideas. Let's uh, let's just say. Um, but they they want to go. Um, they get invited to go and in in uh, kind of live with these these people in in um, rural Sweden at the invitation of um, one of their friends Pella. who grew, yeah Pella who grew up among them and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Danny's sister who is bipolar um, kills herself and uh, and Danny and her parents. Um, and this kind of prompts Danny to um, agree to come with them, basically. So she's grieving, um, or not grieving, as the case may be, not dealing with the grief in a healthy way. And that's where we 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 find our film. That all happens in kind of the first ten minutes, and then we're into it. And it's basically mm-hmm. about what is going on at, at, uh, at, at with the with the Haga in um, in Sweden. It's uh, interesting, Conrad, because we do. It, it does feel like that when you watch the film, you get there, and all of a sudden, you're just there, and the rest of the film is there. But there's, but all that that detail of character in the first five, ten, twenty minutes, it, when they're before they get there, is really important to dissect for me. Like, mm. I think the idea that Danny has this bipolar sister who she has been struggling with, and like, and every time she tries to reach out to her and help her, she gets labeled the bad guy. Yeah. and we see that Christian is not the boyfriend is is sort of he's saying listen it's just the same as last time she's looking for attention and that ends up actually no it's not the same she has actually died by suicide and she's killed <coughs> her parents hmm. um it does straight away put this dynamic into it where christian and the other fellas don't take danny seriously at all yeah to serious yeah. repercussions you know yeah and, and i think so ari Aster wrote and directed this um as a as a follow-up to hereditary which i love i think it, uh I, at the time of it releasing in 2016 a lot of people called hereditary like but this happens a lot but i actually think hereditary might deserve this uh called it one of the, like the scariest movies since the exorcist that's the that's the thing that loads of people throw okay. around now you haven't seen hereditary so we won't spend too long on it um mm-hmm. but um it's very it's very different tonally this but i think that like that that first 10 minutes so i think what 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 is so good about hereditary is that it is a horror movie it's about you know a haunting a possession but what it's actually about is a family that falls apart after a tragedy. They fail to deal with grief in a healthy way, and that's the that's the real heart of the story. There happens to be a demon possessing someone, and and that you know becomes scarier and more prevalent as the movie goes on. But at its heart, it's a family drama, and I feel like the first ten, fifty, well, it, this whole movie, but certainly those first ten, fifteen minutes are so brilliantly written. Um, mm-hmm in terms of like introducing us to this this situation and these characters and i i always kind of joke about this but i do actually think that i this is the way my brain works that there are two ways that i like characters to be introduced it's either the opening five minutes of predator where they're just in a helicopter being the absolute stereotypes that they are we're just like (laughs) hello i'm the hispanic one hello i'm the guy with the big gun like just doing that with some cool music playing in the background which i'm absolutely fine with or you get something like this where there's so much subtlety to the writing. So it's like you were saying that that conversation 
so Danny receives an email from her sister at the beginning. Uh, literally, the first thing we see is her receiving an email from her sister, kind of vaguely threatening to do something, saying like, you know, goodbye, mum and dad are coming too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this series of phone conversations play out between her and Christian. I think another female friend who's never actually named, um, I believe, but but mm-hmm. I don't think they actually end up being that important to the story. Um, yeah. and, but and and as you said, Christian kind of says, "Oh, she always does this. It's a cry for atten- attention, and you validate her by acknowledging it." And I just, I know it's like a simple thing. It's not like knockout writing, but it's just so believable. Like that conversation, yeah. I can just imagine happening in so many relationships where there are these kind of these b- barriers between between people. Um, that that it really kind of reveals something about Christian's character, I think. Yes, but at the same time, you can you can kind of it's like he's going by the evidence of the past that he's mm. been around for, and I think and I think as well like in in situations like that where you're where you're in a relationship with someone and you see their sibling or you see something in like it's like obviously this woman's got bipolar, like you know that's I'm not sort of in that position myself, but if 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 you if he has seen the way that this sister has acted acted the whole time uh that he's been together with her for three years or four what was it four years two two weeks i think yeah uh, i i remembered he didn't uh but <laughs> so if, if he sees it the whole time he's not he's actually he feels like he's an expert on the subject of the sister yeah he's negating the fact that danny has known this this girl her whole life yeah uh, and and obviously that it's understandable that he has seen the behavior time and time and time again but he still should trust Danny's feelings towards her sister over his own because she has known her for a lot longer than he has. You know. Yeah, I, I, and I think, <clears throat> I think that that early that early dynamic between them is really kind of played out over the course of the whole movie. Where I, th- I think one of the things that I really like about the way Midsummer is written is that I don't feel like it ever fully comes down on one side or the mm. other of the christian danny dynamic like obviously danny goes through some horrible trauma and is Mm -hmm. not supported by her friendship group or her partner in the slightest so you feel very sorry for her but at the same time with the direction the story goes in it's like okay christian could be a lot more understanding (laughs) of this situation he shouldn't just dismiss this even though as you say he's kind of seen this before and he's probably just grown a bit tired of doing this mm-hmm. but he's also not like the worst person in the world and i no. think that and i think that's really in it's really bold of them to not go with like a really stereotypically shitty boyfriend like they could have a worse director could have just made him an abuser or something they could have just been like you know what, i'm just gonna skip all of this and we're just gonna make him like knock her around a little bit and that's gonna be our shorthand for he's a bad guy um but instead could have been uh, will poulter's character he could have he's he's usually the boyfriend yeah yeah like what the way will poulter has played in this where he's just like chaotic evil character like mm-hmm. it's just like no, there's no way anyone would ever be friends with this person because he has no redeeming qualities whatsoever but <laughs> but that i mean that could have been christian that had been an easier way to do this but they don't do that and instead it's this very subtle kind of back and forth of this relationship basically showing us how a relationship falls apart um mm-hmm. so um sorry were you gonna say something then i was gonna say yeah you're, you're right <coughs> it's very it's very believable as well because um the, the the argument that they have where she finds out that he's going to Sweden with his friends 
right? And and uh, he was gonna go, and she didn't know about it. I completely understood him keeping it from her because he didn't want to hurt her feelings, and I completely understood her being weird and not really understanding why he kept it from her. Yeah. And then and then the argument that ensues from there. Um, where neither of them really knows. Well, Danny doesn't really know why she's annoyed or why she's angry, but the feeling is still there because he still kept it from her. That was so believable, and how yeah. it and, and how the, the the discussion flipped on on. Yeah, on, he turns it around well. on her to be like, "I feel like you're attacking me," and it's just like, "Oh, that's so manipulative." And I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying he's deliberately manipulating her, but the fact that his. So I, th- I think it's fair to say we won't go into spoiler stuff straight away, but I think it's fair to say that once once the the, the tragedy happens and Danny's family mm-hmm. are, are uh, uh, involved in that murder suicide, Christian was thinking of leaving her already. He is completely checked out of the relationship after that happens. Like, but he's trapped in yeah. it. He can't leave because he doesn't want to be the bad guy who you know left a. Uh, left as someone he'd been with for years after they had gone through a trauma um and that argument is such a great example of that where like yeah. he so doesn't want to be there that he's actually he actually manipulates her into into apologizing for him not telling her that he's going to sweden and being like i feel like you're attacking me and it's just it's such a such a great great depiction of these little kind of like niggling arguments that couples have when it's just not right and they need to move on from it but they but they don't for whatever reason mm-hmm. um so i mean florence Pugh as well i've said that she is phenomenal in most things i think she's she's great in this um and i think the way she depicts her vulnerability is so important for where her character goes um in this movie later on like it kind mm-hmm. of there are some there are some developments which occur with her character that I don't think would work unless Florence Pugh was able to portray the vulnerability in a in a in a in a way that that makes us sympathetic enough to her to kind of allow room for what happens later. Yeah, I I, I really loved her performance and the journey her character went on. Obviously, I think that there's um um something to be delved into in terms of this possibly being a metaphor for grief in some way mm. uh, i think i'm not intelligent enough to really hone it in on the first watch but i would have to watch it again uh but there definitely is something there the journey she goes through and sort of cutting I don't, i'm not going to say any spoilers but sort of becoming herself and also sort of getting rid of certain aspects of her life which are not uh helping her let's just yeah say. You absolutely know I mean? yeah no i think that's i think that's absolutely right and i, and I think as well you know that the harger themselves um it's this kind of two-pronged thing where we see her we see her grief and her suffering and then we kind of see how cults operate where they prey on people who are vulnerable and offer a um offer what feels like sanctuary and protection from maybe unsupportive environments and you know that then you end up with with uh, with cults forming um communes communes excuse me excuse me <laughs> a commune of people a who family. are family basically fast furious 10 this is fast 10 family it's oh. all about family i mean we don't uh, i would like to see dominic toretto take on the Haga. i'd be interested to see how that went he'd probably just drive a drive his his muscle car through their <laughs> through their big yellow house you know, he'd come down with a parachute and his car down into the middle yeah. of them and all. Yeah, it's like Jason Statham just like flipping them off as, <laughs> as he like, guns them all down. Um, 
Well, I I think that that leads us quite naturally then into talking about. I, I just wanted to visit this for a second. I mean, it's true throughout the whole movie, but I think in those early fifteen, uh, those early minutes, particularly the first kind of fifteen or so, um, we see the way like Ari Aster lights and shoots his scenes is so so good. Um, mm-hmm. There's such like a purposeful nature to his work. Like he's a he's a real big fan of like lingering on shots for longer than 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 um, other directors would to kind of bring in this sense of unease loves a loves a slow zoom like droning <laughs> notes in the score to exacerbate yeah, yeah, tension yeah. um i i i just think he, he there's such a clear visual style to ariaster's work and we'll, we'll have to do um hereditary at some point as well because i think that's even more so um more more in like kind of ariaster's style um than this is in some ways um mm-hmm. what interests but- me is that i was doing some reading and and apparently, the the theatrical release for this was the, was half an hour shorter. Um, so <clears throat> this isn't called on Netflix when I watched it. It wasn't called Midsummer Director's Cut, but uh, I did look up the director's cut is the same length as the one on Netflix. So it's not called the director's cut, but it is the director's cut oh, okay. as far as I'm aware. That's so interesting. The, the, in the in the cinema it came out it was half an hour shorter and i always i think to myself like what maybe it's just those like lovely lingering shots and like you know that maybe there was a whole sequence taken out i'm not sure exactly but but definitely i liked the patience that the film has i liked the sort of slow creep there's certain moments which we'll talk about when we get to spoilers but there's certain moments where i noticed what was going to happen very early on and i had to sit there for 10 minutes and wait for it to happen like i there's yeah. certain things that that I'm like they, they sort of set it up in a way. Maybe it's just because I I'm going into this knowing it's a horror, in inverted commas, and yeah. and knowing that there's going to be some creepy crap going on. So that's why I sort of can see it coming. But it's such a slow, painful journey to it happening that yeah. I I was just really really loving it. Like he he is a he's an absolute master of that kind of slow burn tension. Um, and and one of the best in the business. I'm not going to say what yet. We'll come back to this when we get into spoilers, which which won't be too long from now, I don't think. But um, one of the best in the business at showing you something just off the corner of the screen for a second and and make, letting your mind do all the work with it. There's very few oh, yeah. very few jump scares or traditional jump scares in Ari Aster movies. It's more just creepy shit happening just out of out of focus or just off to the side. Mm-hmm. Um, unbelievable and and but i will also say as well this is maybe maybe you you've seen other stuff like this but in terms of like quite self-serious horror movies this is one of the brightest horror movies i have ever seen like there's very little darkness in this movie yeah that's something that i noticed as well um i thought it was really interesting like basically because they mentioned as well that there's one there's like only a couple of hours of darkness at night yeah they're really like far north sweden yeah, and there's one sequence with Josh character who's played by William Jackson Harper. There's one sequence where he he goes out and ventures out at night. But apart from that, pretty much once they get to Sweden, it's all in the daylight, which yeah. obviously you're talking about the way that Ariasta lights his scenes and stuff. I'm not actually I, like the very beginning of the film was lit lit lovely, but Yeah. For the most part of the rest of the film, it was all just sunlight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, like, I think that's why those first like twenty minutes struck me because I because I saw this after Hereditary and like Hereditary is very dark, lots of shadows, lots of negative space, and then you watch the first fifteen minutes of this and you're like, ah, here we go. Now we're we're back in business. And then for the rest of the movie, it's like it's all daylight. How is this? What? Where's the tension going to come from? But I mean, it still manages it. It still manages to be scary. Yeah, it's a real it's a real dichotomy of tone, isn't it? Because you, you really do have like this real bright setting, and then the whole thing is just really dark and like 
ominous and creepy and you know like oh just i'll tell you what conrad some of the things in this film which slip to your mind easily because they're so well done if you don't really focus on them for example the commune now this isn't really spoilers because i'm just going to mention part of the world building that they've done yeah the commune itself or the, the cult i suppose we call them a cult okay we'll call them a cult the cult itself when they, I love the way that they build in the idea of them experiencing things with each other. So when someone feels pain, they make pain sounds. Like all of them around them start like wailing in pain. Yeah. Whenever someone's like happy or whatever, they'll all laugh together. I, I like that they're they're doing that. Um, it really added depth to me to to like this this little this little cult. You know. Um, mm-hmm. what did you think of that? Yeah, I I think um, the the very like kind of open faced outward nature of 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 the, of the of the the, the hager like the um the cult members i think it it makes the the fact that they put all of the um all of the the guests at ease immediately like make yeah. loads of sense and <clears throat> we're i think we'll we'll head into spoilers for this because mm-hmm. there's something i wanted, yeah, yeah. wanted to say about this so spoiler warning if you haven't seen uh, midsummer go and check it out we're going to start talking spoilers now it's on um, netflix in the uk i think uh, maybe worldwide i'm not sure go check it yeah but so um the fact that i think that the way that they present themselves so that you know they're all in like they all experience these emotions together mm-hmm. um and they're all very like open about these experiences that they are sharing and i think this kind of it is an illusion of openness because uh, and it allows mm. them to manipulate the the visitors into staying when they very obviously should be leaving so uh when when they go through the um i wrote the name for it down and i've lost it now at a stupor the 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 ceremony where people of of 72 years of age uh kill themselves um so as not to be a burden on the um burden on the uh the community and they throw themselves off of a off of a, a large cliff and first lady dies second guy falls feet first horrifically breaks his leg and then has his head smashed in with a with a big mallet mm-hmm. and even then they are able to talk these seemingly intelligent you know they're phd students like are these seemingly intelligent people into sticking around because yeah. it, it feels safe it feels like they're, they're, there's no dishonesty here there's no but but already at that point like the net is closing in Yep. on these on these outsiders um and it's it's it is this brilliant dichotomy of like oh they seem very happy it's very bright they're very open they're smiling they're you know dancing around maples but there's something very insidious at work here that is closing in around these people yeah i i do agree with you um, i think i think that the uh i can't remember the name of the two 72 year olds like that this brings up a point of um Perhaps my first negative point of the film, but it it's really strange. Let me know if you think this is a negative. Some of the things were flagpoled a little bit too much for me. For to be honest with you, okay. I I so the when I heard that this when they're seventy two and he went like this, you know, yeah. and he like he made the you know the the Undertaker you're gonna die uh, throat cutting uh, thing. Yeah. Then the immediate next scene is I'm having dinner and two old people walk out with these lovely robes. I'm just like, okay, they're, they're dead. Like, so they're, they're going to die. And then we have to wait. Then we waited 10 minutes for it to happen. It happened in a really cool and ominous and really freaky way. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I saw it coming. Uh, to be honest with you, whenever the um, the the camera panned across the uh, tapestries and they showed the pubic hair and the um, yeah. menstrual blood. And, and then I'm not even going to lie to you, Conrad. As soon as Christian's glass was a different color of juice, I noticed. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was thinking. I was thinking. Someone's drinking menstrual blood <laughs> at some point in this film, and I spotted it straight away. I, I mean, I don't know if that. I don't know if I call that a flaw because I think they're doing it very deliberately. You know, like they're not. Mm. I don't think they're hiding the fact that these things are going to happen from you. I think it's more they're sewing them in because. They're, they're literally telling you what's going to happen i think that's one of the best things about like the kind of production design of this movie like as well we know yeah we know well, yeah. But, but i mean they know as well like but but yeah i think to it in a, in a meta sense we do know as well like so i i think um if you look at the, the 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 film opens with a tapestry that literally tells you the entire story of the movie yeah. if you go back and look at it and then you've got stuff like danny sleeping under this really large painting of a young princess and a bear that seems really i mean you know <laughs> it seems odd when you see it and it's like oh that makes perfect sense and there's a flower crown around her pa- her, her uh, a photo of her at the at the parents house um and like you say the um the tapestry that, that that tells us about the um like kind of love potion process mm-hmm. for, for for christian um yeah. so i think it I, I don't think it really deals in surprises so much as this slow revealing of its hand like it, it basically saying these things are going to happen and you're you're captive for it you you can't go anywhere so when the atastupa takes place um you're not surprised I, I, I don't get the impression you're supposed to be surprised by it so much as you're supposed to be surprised by the horrificness of it like they don't drink yeah, 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 uh, yeah. they don't drink poison and quietly uh you know yeah, quietly yeah. quietly fade away they jump off a fucking cliff and smash their heads on a rock um <laughs> yeah. and, and like how did you how did you feel about that because that's really like ariasta does a lot of very good gore in his movies but that would have been like your introduction to ariasta style gore yeah, that was interesting. I was like, "Come on, the skull's got to hold up better than that." But <laughs> yeah, I I felt like it was it was a slow wait to get there, knowing what was going to happen. But I didn't know how it was going to happen, and you're exactly right because I would never have predicted how. It was, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. I'm pretty sure that like talking about like the commune, the cult, their way of. I'm pretty sure like that mallet exists for a reason, right? Hey, that guy, that old guy definitely jumped feet first for a reason like i think he's supposed to get his head beat in you know i i think he just was scared to be honest like the lady just you know threw herself forward there was no second thought in her head whereas he he went feet first and it was like i don't know i I think he just kind of wimped out i say wimped out obviously it's horrific to do that but i mean well it's good to have a mallet for backup just in case oh well i mean yeah they definitely have the mallet there just just to just to finish them off if they need to um (laughs) it's actually really interesting i say interesting interesting to to weirdos like me who like gore effects like that um the gore effect for the hammer smashing there's a there's a making of video where they show like the heads inflating and then deflating because they basically do like a bunch of balloons in the head so that they could shoot it multiple times so the head can basically reform and then deform as they hit oh my it. god it's great it's such a good gore effect that um so oh. I've, I've got a I, I i'm gonna ask you this now I, I, I mean it might be better suited for later but what the hell i'm gonna ask it now ariaster has confirmed in interviews that um the visitors would have been killed regardless of whether they transgressed or not um yeah did you get a sense of that kind of watching watching this or did you get did you feel that they were kind of punishments for transgressions no i i I did get the sense that this was going to happen no matter what i think that um especially at the end when they tell us like you know how many people they have to sacrifice and stuff like yeah they were gonna 
it was very very planned mm. as well as you saying like we're like captive we're a captive audience to watching this i think we all knew now i, I maybe did wasn't going to predict at the very beginning of the film that um that florence pugh's character danny would survive I, I maybe i wouldn't have predicted that but i knew that the vast vast majority of this group are gonna die like yeah 100 percent. that's how i knew and it's just how it happens um and the fact that they kept her alive i'm gonna be honest with you i was on her side the whole film yeah okay um and i and i and i felt a lot of empathy towards her a lot of sympathy towards her and as the film went on and i felt i did feel sad for what was happening to the rest of them obviously i did but as the film went on I was on her side and on her side and on her side. And in the end, I don't know. I Maybe I'm still on her side. I don't know. Yeah. I'd, but I think that's, that is the, the genius of this movie is that, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll say this now. I prefer Hereditary to Midsummer because I think Hereditary is a better traditional horror movie. I think it's scarier than Midsummer. But the, the genius of Midsummer is you are on her side. I think most people are. Like, you know, you, you see her christian forgets her birthday he he's uh you know he 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 is kind of making eyes at one of the haga uh young women he he is stealing josh's idea for a thesis like he's not a he's not the worst person in the world but he's not a particularly good person either and all the while danny mm-hmm. is sitting there grieving or not really being allowed to grieve and being you know pressured into taking magic mushrooms um when um when she's worried about the risk you know the reaction she might have because she's still she's still in a period of grief yeah and and you are totally on her side throughout the whole movie and it gets you to and, and it, it, it very brilliantly gets you to that final moment where she decides between putting a haga person into the bear suit when uh when the funeral pyre is formed or christian and she chooses christian and you have been brought along through this indoctrination into a cult. Like the whole movie is showing us how you get indoctrinated into a cult. So at the end, you're like, yeah, probably. But I mean, it's like if you reflect on like Christian, it's like he's not. The, he didn't deserve that. Like you know, to be- actually on that point, on Christian's point, I will ask you this question, right? Do you view what happened to Christian as rape? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't. I think he was he was drugged and. Uh, I, I think that that last twenty minute stretch is is very much kind of mirroring the vulnerability of Danny's character in the beginning of the film with Christian's vulnerability. Like she wins the Maypole dance, he is mm-hmm. kept completely separate from her. He has no idea what's going on. He's drugged. He is coerced into sex. Okay, you know he 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 clearly found her attractive, but he he was he had no. Uh, or he he was uh, he was coerced into doing the yeah. deed. Um, so yeah, that's I, how, so yeah, that's how I read it as well. And the reason I asked that question is because Netflix, uh, in the I don't know if you notice whenever the show starts, it puts up the top what the um, the sort of warnings are and what okay. the, the yeah the certificates are. Uh, and the only warning that it gave for this was injury detail, right? Ah, okay, that's interesting. And that really, like, once... I, I turned to Emo when that happened. I said to her, well, good stuff. There can be no sexual abuse in this film. Uh, and then there was. So yeah. I I really do not appreciate Netflix not warning for that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think... Um... I, th- I think that that that's that's really bad actually like i i, I think they they 100 should flag uh something like They're that usually very good at it to be honest yeah with you. um because it is i mean it, it is it is like abusive what happens to him and it, it you know you can have the discussion about is it a reflection of his own kind of manipulative um 
kind of emotionally abusive behavior earlier in the movie possibly it is mm-hmm. um but but it's it's still that 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 if had he survived that would have been a traumatic event uh yeah. for him um and the fact that he he is essentially reduced to a kind of gibbering wreck because he's been so heavily medicated by the end of the movie as he's burned alive is um it's horrific but the fact that they managed to kind of make you still see danny's point of view through all of that yeah. is a triumph of the writing like you know it's literally he he didn't attack her he did he didn't willingly cheat on her he was just a quite shitty boyfriend and he dies mm-hmm. for it um and, and even though uh danny pretty much seems to join the hager at the end the hager are still bad guys in my mind like i'm oh, not, absolutely on, yeah. i'm not on their side I'm, I'm i'm more on christian's side of course than i am them a hundred percent um it's just that danny is the one that i feel i went on the journey with you know what i mean yeah and uh, yeah i think and i i definitely think that's deliberate i think we are we are supposed to kind of follow danny along through this this process of being welcomed into this cult um so um a slight a slight kind of i guess you call this a bit a bit of a, a sharp left turn but in terms of the deaths in this movie I, i've mentioned it before um ariaster's ability to just show you something very quickly out of the corner of your eye um so i wanted to mention these uh, in a section where we talk about like the deaths in this movie because i mm-hmm. am a grotesque individual who enjoys <laughs> very violent deaths in horror movies um the the the, the little moments where you see something uh so the first one i think you really see is um when danny is tripping on magic mushrooms she goes into like a, a shed or something uh turns on i think she lights a lighter or something and you briefly see and she's staring into like a, a bathroom mirror it's mm-hmm. a classic bathroom mirror scare you see something behind her um in the bathroom mirror that that's a great one there's also one which i don't know if you corked it's quite it's very fast but when josh sneaks into like the main Someone um, behind him in the mirror on the wall. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, well, no. So he, he's reading. He's reading the 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 sacred book. Yeah, um, taking pictures. Uh, yeah, taking pictures. And then the camera whips. And then he sees someone in the reflection uh, yeah. that he thinks is Mark, um, because it's someone wearing Mark's skin. Um, <laughs> and and the camera whips around to face that person. And in the whip round, you see someone behind him. Uh, waiting ah. w- waiting with the mallet um it's 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 just a great great so if you pause it you, if you pause it you can see it yeah 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 it's it's just a it's it doesn't need to be there and it's so great that it is um but did did you it's a very this is a very a grim thing to ask but did you have a favorite kill um i suppose this is a safe space you're allowed to say yeah, whatever yeah, you want we, here we didn't see it but i no. do think that um will polter's character mark being killed was the best one um he how he the, the transgression that he committed uh obviously now obviously arias is right they would have he, he obviously he wrote it so he, he is right but they would have been killed anyway but isn't it great that they were able to get danny into the cult because these transgression happened along the way yeah. you know what i mean everyone who died had a transgression basically except for the couple from england i think but um so basically uh will Poulter, mark pissed on their sacred tree yeah where they 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 um fertilize with the ashes of their their dead from the atta stupa like when they're 72 they, and, they yeah. put the ashes on the tree and i 100 percent, i can tell you now have met people and been in conversation with people who've real who've realized deep down they've done something fucked up 
but they refuse to admit it and they just pretend they don't know what you're talking about yeah i have been in those conversations and i never wanted to hit someone more than <laughs> him on the screen there because he he was he was just pretending not to understand what they were talking about pretending that it wasn't that bad come on man like just say sorry he, he's he's such a like and then that scene as well I, I just he's he's such a dick in this film like when they, yeah. the fir- literally when they first meet the Haga what's he do he pulls out his vape pen and just starts vaping around the- it's like have some sense of like where you are and like you know you don't need to piss against a tree I'm sure they have toilets that you can go <laughs> to like you're not at a festival you know <laughs> like he's just but yeah so he 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 pisses against the sacred tree um and then a a young Haga uh, woman kind of makes eyes at him um and takes him off into the woods and the next time we see him uh someone else is wearing his skin so uh yeah. i think it's safe to say things probably didn't end that well for mark um yeah, he had the night of his life that's for sure yeah um, yeah um it, uh, the, fl- I, I, the, fl- the flayed man the flayed man ema knew exactly i can't remember what she called it but there's or a the blood eagle is that what it is blood eagle yeah, yeah, well, with, yeah. Si- so, with so, simon where he's had simon, his lungs yeah. pulled out of his lungs pulled out of his back oh that was that was harsh yeah well so, okay interesting um thing to consider there then um obviously uh christian is tripping when he sees uh he well he's very very heavily drugged at that point but you see his lungs moving yeah um do you interpret that to mean he's still alive or is that just a that is <laughs> is that christian just being under the influence i mean yeah fuck whatever they wanted whatever could they he could still be still be alive he's not sure. doing yeah, well he's, he's not doing well <laughs> yeah, if he's yeah, alive. Yeah, sure he's still alive okay sure um I will ask you a question though, Conrad. Go on. Um, on on uh, the topic of seeing things, was it? Did you feel it was just the heat, or were you were you also seeing the trees moving? <laughs> oh no, the trees were definitely definitely move. And there's actually when, when <laughs> yeah. she when she yeah, although it does feel like it, I was a bit like oh man, <laughs> <laughs> this 31 degree weather is is making me freak out. Um, yeah. Now there, there's a there's a great bit actually where after after Danny wins the uh, the maypole dancing competition she's being carried along as the may queen yeah. you see her sister's face um with the with the the pipe oh. going into the mouth in the trees behind her which i am oh, so cool. I, I love stuff like that where they just sneak uh sneak these little things in that you only notice on like kind of a second or third viewing oh, um, i'm gonna go watch that i'm gonna go see that again now yeah it's, it's 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 great it's just oh, these great little really creepy moments um that that they they're just they're so little but they just mean so much if you do them well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I love I love like a lot of the kills in this, and I love them because you don't actually see that much. You see the results of them. So Simon and Connie, you don't see them die. You see Simon mm-hmm. has been blood-eagled and had flowers put in his eyes. You see Connie Jeez. in a wheelbarrow looking like she's been drowned when they're putting the mm-hmm. bodies in the um, into the uh, into the, 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 the sort of ceremonial hut. That's another. That's another thing I love. It's like such a trope of horror, uh, and like these type of going to a commune horrors. But like they had to say it. They were like, "Here, what's that place? That's just a sacred temple. We're not allowed in there." Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, love yeah. it. <laughs> Why is it full of straw? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's not beat around the bush. We're not don't worry about it. That'll come back later in the film. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I think you know we'll probably end end with this to say, have you ever have you ever seen The Wicker Man, either the original or the or the Nicolas Cage remake? No, no. I might, I might okay. be honest with you because because I've not seen either. My mind goes to Nicolas Cage whenever. Oh, okay. Well, the original is worth seeing, but I mean, this I I I don't know this for a fact, but I assume this was heavily influenced by that because that movie also ends with a big fire and a main mm-hmm. character in it. Uh, although in that one they're screaming for their life, whereas in this one uh, it's almost worse because it's 
Well, actually, no, there are characters screaming in... in the uh, harder ones are screaming. Yeah, which actually I love as a, as a final ending. And I feel like maybe that is part of the reference to the Wicker Man. But I love that at the point where it becomes real for those Haga people who have volunteered to be burned in this ceremony, the reality of it... I feel like that's the reality sinking in for them. You know, you can live in this kind of blissful cult existence where everything's fine, you can lie to yourselves about what you're doing, but when the rubber meets the road and you have to get burned that shit fucking hurts and and there's nothing to save you and it and you know all the people outside trying to do their empathy pain stuff isn't going to help the people burning alive in uh inside yeah Yeah, it was horrendous yeah it is it is a horrendous movie and one one that i i i very much enjoy how did um how did you find it then any any final kind of final thoughts on it no i i thought it was i thought it was really great i do want to watch hereditary now um it does feel like I, I'm happy that Ari Aster's only got two feature-length films because mm. he's a type. This is the type of film where if I see a film like this, I want to go and watch all the director's films. Yeah. So I don't have much to to look up on. Um. So um. I'll be also definitely checking out his next one coming out, which we saw has Joaquin Phoenix in it. Which yeah. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah. That should be interesting. And and you know Ari Aster, it, it, it's really interesting actually. In in like the year, I think it was 2016. It might have been the year before. Um. But like Aster kind of exploded onto the horror scene with Hereditary. And is part of this like kind of amazing new wave of directors in the genre, along with like Robert Eggers, who did The Witch, The, the, the yeah. Witch, and uh, and like The, the Lighthouse. Lighthouse, and, I, and I, The Northman coming out. Soon. Yes, exactly, and The Northman coming out. So it's just such a good time to be a fan of. I don't want to say like proper horror because, you know, Insidious and Annabelle and all that stuff, they're very popular. Not really my kind of thing, but but some people like them. But this is kind of like. We're getting like prestige horror movies from these yes. kind of directors, um, and I can't wait to see um, see what else they get up to. Um, <coughs> I'm going to cough, but um, right, okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here at the Best Movie Podcast ever, which uh, leads us quite naturally to uh, asking uh, the question as we always do, which is, Anthony, what is your favourite movie? Hmm. Good question. Good question. Avengers: Age of Ultron. Have you watched? Did you get round to watching that in your Marvel rewatch? I can't remember. Well, I, I watched. Uh, life, life took over, and I and I've just been watching whatever ones I want. The last, <laughs> yeah, the last, fine. the last few days. Yeah, that's fine. We're like, it's non-canon. The Marvel rewatch. Yeah. So just do do <laughs> yeah, whatever yeah. we fancy. It's it's actually better to do it that way because you can skip the bad ones. Um, yeah, exactly. My favorite movie is Hereditary. I think Midsummer is brilliant. Uh, Hereditary is one of the best horror movies I've ever seen. Um, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Iscariot for the use of our theme song you can find links to their stuff down in the thing below um, and thank you to you for joining us uh, please consider giving us uh, a like and subscribing we are The Culture Cave on YouTube and we're the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps if that is your preferred method of consumption and we will see you same time same place next week and cut and cut